Hey, this is Jacob Bergai, lead pastor at Fuel Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today to hear this message. You know, I'm reminded that the Word of God says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I just believe that as you hear God's Word, that your faith is going to grow in every area of your life. Thank you for joining us, and for more information about Fuel Church, check us out, thefuelchurch.com. Have a great day. Are you ready for the Word tonight? Come on, I need a little more faith than that. Are you ready for the word tonight? Yeah. They said this was an on-fire church, but come on, are you ready for the word tonight? Yeah. Do you love Jesus? Do you love the Cubs? Come on now, do you love both of them? <laughs> we, some of you shouted more for the Cubs last night than you did for Jesus. Come on, somebody, I need an organ. <laughs> anyway, uh, how many have enjoyed our I Heart My Church series in the last uh, four weeks? You enjoy that series um, I want to let you know if you missed any of the messages, all of them are available online uh, as well as on our app and iTunes, Google Play, and any place else that has messages. You'll find us on there. So uh, I encourage you to go back and hear that word. Um, faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word. So you, you didn't get that much. Actually, stats say you only got 2% of what I preached last week, so I could preach it a whole lot more. And uh, before you get it. So make sure you, you, you go and listen to those messages. Um, as I stated on Sunday, I felt very compelled to finalize this collection of talks on I Heart My Church with one last message. Um, something that has been stirring in my hearts for the last several months uh, in regards to some of the issues in our nation in regards to some of the injustice that has been happening across our nation. I'm going to be very honest with you tonight. Um, I have a very little perspective on the topic of racism. But I don't have a limited view of compassion on the subject. You see, there are a lot of bad things and a lot of wrong things someone could do to someone in this life, particularly maybe a friend or someone, that would have me upset and angry. But nothing, I I repeat, nothing can compare to someone looking down, putting down, or mocking one of my friends because they have a different color skin than me. Most of my close friends are either African American or Latino. So for me, I have to be careful in talking about this subject due to the, uh, I call, righteous indignation that rises up in me when I see anyone mistreated because of the color of their skin. So tonight, I want to bring you um, a message entitled, I Heart My Church Because We Are Culturally Diverse. Culturally Diverse. It's our eighth core value. We have 10 of them. You may say, man, Jacob... um, are you in some dream world? Do you know where you're living right now? Like, you're in Kokomo, Indiana. Do you, do you understand that history has said that it's a very segregated city? Do you understand that the black churches meet on one end of town, and the white churches eat on, meet on this end, and the Latinos meet over here, and the two don't, or the three, or how many ever cultures there is never intermix? Do you understand that we're close to an area and a town that has been known to uh, embrace and, 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 and have the KKK meetings and involvement 
right next to us. I, I understand all that, but I do also understand the kingdom of God, and I do also understand this Bible. And we're going to see today that this Bible actually has more to say about racism than you thought. And we're going to see today that God is for everyone. I said God is for everyone. May I read this scripture in Romans chapter 12 or 10 verse 12 and 13. For there is no difference between Jew and Greek, the same Lord is Lord over all and richly blesses all who call on him. Everyone, someone say everyone, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, church, the world cannot fix this issue with racism. It has tried. The only answer for racial reconciliation is found in the house of God and in the word of God. It's the only only remedy for this sin. It's found in the house of God. Paul said it. He said, uh, uh, hey, church, God has given. Who has given it? God has given us, the church, the ministry of reconciliation. To restore, to reconcile differences. God has given us the church. So after many months of really not wanting to come up here and preach about this, because I've never preached a message on racism in my life. I have talked about it. I have made statements. Those of you who attend here regularly know, uh, in light of the several injustices that have been done in the past couple months, I found myself rolling in my bed and not being able to sleep many nights because the Holy Spirit wouldn't let it go. And he said, you must talk about it. Many pastors are not talking about it, but this pastor is going to talk about it because God showed me a picture. He took me to New Jersey for eight years to see a picture, a snapshot of what heaven would be like one day. And he took this white boy to New Jersey, one of the most densely populated areas, where I went from being a majority to a minority. And he took me there and put me right in the midst of over 120 different nations. 120 represented in the church I came from. He put me in the mix of brothers and sisters of like precious faith. Brothers and sisters that I got to break bread with and so many different ethnic foods I got to try that I never thought I would try. I mean, my Lord, my mom tried to feed me steak when I was a kid and I didn't eat it till I was in my teenage years. I was the pickiest eater ever. She let me get away with it, not eating all the stuff dad tried to make me eat, asparagus. Still struggling from that, dad, thanks. Took me to a place where all these nations and different cultures and different languages were all around me. And I was immersed in these cultures and I became close friends and still close friends with with my Latino brothers and sisters and my Nigerians and my my Dominicans and, and, and my Chinese and Japanese. And it was just a snapshot of what heaven would be like. 
And I remember standing in one of the services and tears began to run down my face as the Lord said, look around, son. This is what heaven is going to be like. I said, my God, they they don't know about this everywhere. There's so many segregation, segregated cities and churches across this nation. Why did you bring me here and then bring me back to here? Why did you take me to the New Jersey, New York area, and then why did you bring me back to Kokomo, Indiana? And the Lord began to show me the vision, and he said, because you're going to raise up a multi-generational, multicultural church that has never been seen in the city of Kokomo. And I say that very humbly. I I say that trembling because it is the mandate on this house and the mandate on my life to see reconciliation happen. It is the mandate that that if we cannot worship with someone that has a different color than us here on earth, then we're not going to be too comfortable in heaven. And you may say, man, you sound very passionate about this subject. I am. And I'm going to try my best to say it with grace and love. I am. I I promise you that. Every word may not come out right, and I do apologize. But this is an issue that stirs me up because it's wrong. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25, there was this expert of the law who came to Jesus, and he had a question. He said, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asked him, what, what is written in the law? And in Luke 10, 22, he says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and, someone say and, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 29, but the man wanted to do what? Justify himself. He was a scholar. He had a great education and very proud of who he was and his heritage. And he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? What the man was trying to say is, do I really have to love those that are different from me? That don't look like me? Do, do, do I have to love those who like different music and speak different languages and have different skin than me and different cultures than me? Do, do, do I have to love those kind of people? This is what the man was asking. Hmm? Jesus asked him the question, who is? Or the man asked the question, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus goes on to describe in a parable, in a story, to this man of who his neighbor was. Now, before we move on to our text tonight, it's really hard to give your neighbor something that you do not have. He said said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, mind. And love your neighbor as 
yourself. It's, it's really hard for me to give my neighbor what I do not possess. So, 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 so let me break that down. If I don't love myself, how can I love my neighbor? And, and, and if I'm harsh on myself, I'm going to be harsh on my neighbor. Are you with me? And, and if I can't forgive myself, then I'm not going to be able to forgive my neighbor. And if I judge myself, then I'm going to judge my neighbor. Hmm. So Jesus answers with the story. He answers this question, who is my neighbor? It's found in Luke chapter 10. It's a story of a certain man that was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And as this man, he was a Jewish man, was walking along the path to get to Jericho, the Bible says that he gets robbed, he gets beaten, and he's left on the side of the road to die. Someone say to die. It's close to death. And as he lays there, Jesus is telling the story. Remember who's telling the story. Who's telling the story? Jesus is telling the story. Jesus tells the story. He says, as this man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, as he gets robbed, he gets beat, he's laying on the side of the road, he says, there's three individuals that come across this man's path. Jesus says, the first man that comes is a priest. Pastor comes up, sees him, and the Bible says he walks on the other side of the road. Someone say the other side. Second man that comes is a Levi, a noble man back in those days, churchgoer, Christian, Bible thumper. Bible says he sees this man left for dead, beaten, bruised, bloody on the side of the road. And the Bible says when he sees him, he goes on the other side as well. So here, here, here are two people that are followers of God that said, hey, I'm good. I, I, I don't want to be inconvenienced by this messy situation. I, I don't want to be inconvenienced by it. You know, that's why most people don't talk about this issue because it's a messy situation. Right? Stay with me. We're going somewhere. Are you with me so far? Everybody good? Let's pick up the story. Verse 33, Luke 10. But a Samaritan. Someone say a Samaritan. As he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. Or another translation says he had compassion on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Someone say, but a Samaritan. Why is this so important? Catch this, because... For 700 years, there was a hate fest between the Jews and the Samaritans, okay? There was this racial tension, and they hated each other. Someone say they hated each other. Here's why. 700 years prior, as the Jews were exiled after Assyria captured them, Assyria then takes the Jews, and they brought in this pagan Gentile colony from Babylon. Someone say Babylon. And so they brought these Jews after they captured him, and they brought this pagan Gentile colony from Babylon, and they brought them together, and the Bible says that they intermarried together. You can find this reading in Ezra chapter 9 and 2 Kings 17. We don't have time to go to it. 
And they intermarried one with another. So two races came together. Now, the race from Babylon was a Gentile pagan. They were pagan worshipers. And the Bible says that as they intermarried, they started a race called the Samaritans. So here they were, the Jews, very proud of their heritage, very proud that that they were God's chosen people from Jerusalem. And here they get hooked up with this Gentile colony from Babylon, and their kids start to marry, intermarry. And so you had two different races coming together. From that point on, the Jews and the Samaritans had this battle between them, had this racial tension between them. And this Samaritan did one simple act that changed everything. Someone say everything. Changed everything. He simply walked across the street. He walked across the street and he helped this man of a different race. Hmm? You didn't do that in those days. It was wrong. It was frowned upon by both sides. The Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated the Jews. I heard this quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He said, the first question the priest and the Levi asked was this, and I quote, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the good Samaritan reversed the question, and I quote, if I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? Hmm? You see, church, the heart of the gospel is loving people, period even those who look different than you and I. Hmm. You see, racism is not born, it's taught. And it's embedded in our hearts. And some in here today and some listening have it embedded in their hearts because of one thing, and it's called learned behavior. It's because when you were growing up, that's what daddy said. And that's how mommy treated them. And that's how your uncle referred to certain people. So there's this learned behavior as you're a child, you catch from those who teach you and groom you and mold and shape you. And so you grow up with this learned behavior called racism. Can I tell you that racism isn't right before God, therefore it shouldn't be right to us. See, Write this down. Racism is not a skin issue. Racism is a sin issue. Born in the heart of man. It's a heart issue. You got to deal with your heart. You got to deal with your heart, sir, ma'am. You got to deal with this. Hmm? So, so let's ask the question. How can we neighbor? How can we be this neighbor to those who are different from us? How many want to know? I mean, want to know how we can do this. Let's get some answers here. Number one, we need to recognize our prejudices. We need to recognize that that we're prejudiced. We need to recognize that. Prejudice is simply prejudging or preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. I'm going to say this. We should only be prejudiced against one thing and one thing only, and that is sin. We should be against that, not each other, not each other. I believe if we were all honest in here, we would, if we were, we would say this, 
that we have all found our hearts leaning towards some sort or type of prejudice at some point in our lives. All of us, no matter what color you are, no matter where you were raised. Maybe you thought rich people were snobs and you were prejudiced towards them. Maybe you thought a person who deals with weight, a weight issue or is not physically fit is lazy, right? And we profiled them. Come on now, I can't get no help in here. It's okay. I didn't expect to get a shout tonight. Maybe we look at a younger person and we say they don't have a good work ethic, right? Maybe we look at pastors and we say they're all crooks because that guy ripped off people in his church and they're all that way. Maybe we look at white guys and we say they can't jump. I do believe that. I got you laughing at least once tonight. Just loosen up. It's all good in the hood. Maybe we say all white people are this, all Latinos are this, all black people are this. You fill in the blank. Huh? Can, can, I, can I just say this? Not in my notes, but can I say this? Um, in light of what has happened with, with our police officers and, 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 and police officers being shot and, and, and young black men being shot, can I just say this? Not all young black men walking on the street are bad. And not all cops, white cops, are bad. Why do we lump everybody into the same same bowl, right? And we say, well, he did this and she did that. And, you know, we lump everybody. Not all preachers are crooks. Not all preachers are after your money. There are some people who are doing this not for what they get paid, but because it's a calling. There are cops who are protecting our cities right now. There are cops that are not racist. There are black men and black women and Latino men who who don't want to do bad things, but who want to work and raise their families in the greatest nation in the world. But we put them all in the same boat, and it's wrong. And we've all done it, if we're honest. We've all done it. We should pray for our police officers. We should pray for those in authority. We should pray against that spirit of injustice that obviously has been done to some. It's obvious, folks. It's obvious. You don't need much more than you got the footage right there. Hello. It's obvious. It's wrong. It's injustice. Say, Pastor, get off your soapbox. (laughs) I I, I told you I'm going to do my best here. I've had many conversations with my African-American friends. I just had one today, and as I, in light of me prepping for this message, just asking and calling some pastor friends, and, hey, man, what, what's it like? I don't, I don't know what it's like to be racially profiled. I can't stand up here and say that, because it's never happened to me. But I asked my friends, and, one of them's like my best friend today, and I'm talking to him. And I'm saying, I said, hey, man, tell, tell me, has it happened to you? This guy's a pastor. He loves God, loves people. He said, yeah, it happens all the time to me. Well, how do you feel about that? He said, well, here's the difference. When I was out in the world, I dealt with it one way. But now that I'm a follower of Christ, I deal with it a whole different way. I said, wow. So it's all about that love of Christ, huh? He said, yep. He said, it's all about walking in the love of Christ. I, I said, tell me, man. I, I, I'm just trying to, I, 
I'm trying to identify with this because it's never happened to me. But I hear from so many of my friends that it happens to them. And these are pastor friends of mine. You know? You know, it takes honesty, it takes integrity to admit you have a problem like this. Yeah, it does. See, we, a lot of times we want people to honor and respect us. But you cannot sow disrespect and reap honor. You cannot sow those prejudiced thoughts and actions and words and reap honor back. We can't. It, it, it's impossible. We need to seek to understand others that look different from us and see their perspective. See it from their perspective. So number one, we're going to recognize our prejudice. Number two, we need to love those different from us. We need to love. Someone say love. love. The Bible actually says that they will know that you are a follower of Jesus by the way you love your neighbor. Do you notice it does not say by the amount of times you attend church? It does not say how, by how much money you give to the church. It does not say by how many good deeds you do in your community. It says they will know that you follow Jesus Christ by the way you treat your neighbor that looks different than you. Hmm? That was raised in a different culture, in a different part of town or a different city or a different nation than you. He said you'll know them by the love that they show. Jesus was telling this story and he's basically telling this ruler, this, this, this ruler of the law that, listen, you got to love your neighbor. What was he saying? You, you got to be willing to cross the road and put some action behind what you say. That's how you love your neighbor. You cross the road. The other two, the Bible says, walked on the other side. They didn't want to be inconvenienced. They don't want to be inconvenienced. But the Samaritan crossed the road and knelt down and showed love towards him. Hmm? You see, see, if what you say and what you think doesn't line up with what you pray, then your mountains will not be moved. The, the, Help me, help me. The Bible says that there can't be bitter and sweet water coming out of your mouth at the same time. It's either good or it's evil. So, 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 so we're saying things that we shouldn't be saying, and then we're praying to God for our mountains to move. And God's saying, I can't do that. Why? Because I don't find love in your heart towards your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? It's a good question. Who is your neighbor? I love Jesus because he really didn't say who your neighbor was, but he said how to neighbor. He said how to neighbor. And he said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to be willing to cross the road and to help someone who's in need. That's true love. 
That's true love. You see, racism isn't just the presence of hatred, but it's the absence of love. It's the absence of love, friends. (laughs) Don't tell people you love God when you can't love those that look different than you and have a different skin color. Nope. Don't say it around me. Please. I will get in the flesh and smack somebody with a holy smack. I'll call it holy. Yep, I'll lie, but I'll call it holy. Hmm? I love God, but you can't love your neighbor. But you can't show respect to someone else. This generation coming up is, they say, one of the most disrespectful generations. I wonder why, though. Maybe the previous generation didn't teach them well. Just a thought. I don't agree with the disrespect of authority. We're to honor. We're to show respect for those in authority of our nation and our police force, our firefighters. Hmm? I've learned this in life, that you don't measure maturity by how much you know. You measure it by how much you love. You want to mature and grow in Christ? Grow your love for your neighbor. Grow your love for your neighbor. Are you with me so far? Because you cannot give without loving. Let me restart that. But you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Love equals action. Did you hear that? Love equals action. Galatians 3.28, look at this. It says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free. There is neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Someone say, we're all one. We were all redeemed by the same blood. God loves Asian Americans. God loves Latin Americans. God loves Native Americans. God loves African Americans. God loves Cubans, Haitians, Nigerians, Jamaicans, Koreans, Canadians, Pakistanians, Iranians, and Russians. He loves them all. Right? You thought he just loved certain nations? (laughs) He created everyone. Right? Only one true race matters, and that's the human race. God created all of us, and heaven will be wonderfully diverse. Someone say wonderfully diverse. I heard this quote today. It says, it is not the person from the racially different culture on the other side of the world that is the hardest to love. But it's the nearby neighbor whose skin color and language and rituals and values and history and customs are different from one's own. Isn't that true? Last scripture, and then we'll wrap this up. Revelation 7, 9, and 10, John foresees a picture of what heaven's going to be like. And he says this, and as I looked, there was before me a great multitude that no one could count from every tribe, every nation, every people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. 
They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. You see that? Heaven. Heaven. Every nation, every tribe, every people worshiping him. I just think that it's God's will for us to get along here on earth because we're going to spend eternity forever with each other. Amen? So it's not a skin issue. It's a sin issue. It's not acceptable to God, so therefore it's not acceptable to us, this church. Who is your neighbor? Or how do you neighbor? Jesus answered it. He said, cross the street. Just cross the street. See things from a different perspective once in a while. See things from a different view once in a while. Don't think that your way is the only way. Don't think that your way is the only right way. Well, I was raised this way and this is the only right way. Maybe, but maybe not. Cross the street. Show love. Show love to others. Same love that you've been shown, show to others. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Stand with me tonight. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, And the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved, and I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. In Jesus' name. It's simple as that, and I encourage you to find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.